Welcome back to the Spinner Rack here at the Marvel New Universe Comics Podcast. Season 2, Opening Spectacular. We're your hosts. Andy, covering the Troubleshooters with the side of Spitfire, Issue 7. And Stephen, with nothing. Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> Started in 1986, the night. The New Universe was an imprint from Marvel Comics dedicated to a more grounded and less fantastical approach to comics. The idea was the world outside your window with real-time progress and less uh, fantastical elements. Eight new comic series launched in one month set in our world in 1986. Now, as the stories have progressed to 1987, the world still largely doesn't know about paranormals, except for a few secret agencies. With our podcast, you can follow along with us each week as we go through each comic in the order they hit the spinner rack, or just check out individual comics if you already have a favorite. We also have a recent recap episode that covers the first six issues of each series. Um, should mention you can... Find out more about us and the new universe at our website, comicskickersinc.com, where you'll also find the Super Sleuth Sweepstakes is still available with a hopefully new contest coming soon. But you are welcome to um, go into the uh, automated Super Sleuth Sweepstakes uh, questionnaire and test your own uh, abilities to we want to give a shout out to our uh, friends over at the um, Facebook fan page Marvel Comics New Universe fans who are always very supportive and who we um, got a, a lot of information from this week and advice and uh, we you can also find us back on Twitter at Kickers Inc where we post um various things about the upcoming podcasts. Yeah, lots of new universe options out there for you, right? It's a world of new universes or a universe of new worlds or or the first one. Hack the net, find out some cool stuff. (laughs) Uh, So yeah, so this week I'll be covering Spitfire and the Troubleshooters. So this is uh, Professor Jenny Swenson she stole and then destroyed her father's advanced max armor, briefly went to prison and has been pushed off stage by her own, t- <laughs> pushed off stage of her own title by five MIT student hackers from the toot uh, who may be getting themselves killed soon. So maybe a lot going on this issue. <laughs> Indeed. And this week I'll be covering nothing. Womp womp. Sorry for all of you who are looking forward to a resolution of the big cliffhanger at the end of uh, issue six. So a little explanation is in order. Um, Let me go into uh, why we're doing it this way. So it was known that uh, Starbrand would go bi-monthly, but most uh, sources said that was like starting with issue eight. Looking at the uh, great resource over at, um, is it Mike's Amazing World.com? 
Yeah. Um, his schedule had it uh, had issue seven of Starbrand and Spitfire coming out the same week. This week. Um, looking at Starbrand number seven, though, um, it was cover dated May 87 instead of April 87, as Spitfire is. And it had ads that matched up with next month's comics, not this month's comics. Now, it's always a little confusing with Spitfire and Starbrand because they sort of started the month before um, the other comics. And so they're always like, you know, a little out of sync. But um, this is at this point, we, we threw it out to the fans at the Marvel New Universe uh, Facebook page and asked for if anyone could remember whether the the um, issue six to seven took a long time or seven to eight took a long time. Andy, did we get like a definitive answer? I, I, I think the, the, the best answer I saw was that it, it probably, Star Brand 7 probably did come out in the same month as Spitfire 7. It's just, and just you know, through whatever planning confusion, it, it ended up with a different cover date. Um, you know, it, it's hard to remember back 36 years ago or whatever, but. Um, yeah, yeah. Even people who worked in the bullpen at the time were like, I don't know, they just pushed the deadlines on us all the time. And, uh, but yeah. Yeah. But it, it works out better to have it next episode, right? Next Spitfire one so that we can have, <laughs> you know, not strangely large gaps between issues. Yeah. So how does it work does work out? And I mean, Starbrand is a key, you know, flagship title. So things happen in it that'll affect the rest of the line. So we want to keep it at the right time in the read through. So we are pretty sure that Starbrand eight and Spitfire 10 come out at the same time. So that gives us either um like no gap um from six to seven and then the two month gap from seven to eight or we just take a one month gap six to seven and uh seven to eight and that'll get us uh on schedule that we're pretty confident in um so for that and basically like some uh each of us having a lot of uh time at work this week frankly um we elected to skip star brand this month and push him back to uh, go with um, spitfire number eight next month um i should also mention that actually there was a skip week in the uh schedule that also shows up so they've done it a couple of times and right after spitfire number seven there's no marvel uh, books coming out next week um so you know at least we're here what can i tell you man <laughs> we have a more solid publishing schedule than marvel comics take that i think that was like the 13th week um you know they they things used to be on a monthly schedule but that was actually a four-week schedule so every quarter or so you'd have like an extra week yeah but Anyway, um, we're all tired. We're going to cover one comic and we're going to feel good about it. We're going to have like a 
quick 15 minute comic and get get the heck out of here <laughs> no, no. 15 hours what i don't know let's not talk crazy talk <laughs> all right but is it time to talk spitfire and the troubleshooters do you want to talk about what we're looking forward to for this next round of new universe let's leave that till after spitfire all right it'll give you some time to ruminate mm. or pickle <laughs> all right cool let's do spitfire then i mean the troubleshooters with a maybe a couple of panels of jenny swenson uh, they right. are really missing their their strong suit here <laughs> all right so, so let's remind our listeners uh, so last episode well not last episode so last issue of spitfire and the troubleshooters all over the um letters page there was a ton of commentary from the editor of, of like stay tuned someone's gonna die troubleshooters going down and it was like really pushy and blatant um so we we made our bets and i was thinking giotti was going to be the troubleshooter to die um and then who who was you you thought eric chin yeah, yeah he hasn't developed his own max armor and uh not sure he ever will now. Yeah. And so uh, what we find out today, as long as the editor wasn't lying to us, uh, who was right or if we were both wrong. Um, and so <laughs> the cover kind of hints at it, but not really. Um, the cover has Steelhawk, the background full of flames, sort of holding Eric up from his shirt collar, uh, triumphant. Everybody, All the other troubleshooters are kind of in some state of being wrecked on a pile of rocks in the front. Uh, nobody looks alive or good. Uh, I'm not really sure what's going on. Uh, a lot of flames. And then the, and the troubleshooters banner in the back is like split in half and falling down. So, you know, not very subtle. Yeah. The uh, troubleshooter banner broken is interesting. I think they've done some funky things with like the X-Men title. Um over in the main universe so it was still pretty rare to have these uh, title logos messed around with though so. yeah i really like the there's like a dark phoenix cover where she's reaching out and like breaking the x-men logo right right and then the, the inferno crossover like as it progressed the word inferno was like more and more fiery and burnt which i thought was fun oh cool yeah in a world of yeah. like 400 variant covers for issues and stuff like those cute things that they did in regular covers. I always liked, you know, this is actually pretty similar to the last DP seven cover with the scorcher. Yeah, that's true. Mm. Everything's getting fiery and angry in the new universe. Welcome to the fiery apocalypse of the new universe. Hey kids, comics. <laughs> The star brand cover was pretty rough too, but we'll talk about that one next uh, in a month. <laughs> All right. Oh. So yes, the comic. Um, so oh, the t also the title on the cover. And now to die. <laughs> Turn the page. Deadly resolutions. So yeah. So last issue, the uh, Jenny was cleared. The troubleshooters. Um, ended up kind of crossing paths or, or figuring out that uh, 
Steelhawk was behind part of their problems. And by the end, they'd uncovered that he was trying to assassinate the prime minister and were going to go and try and save her. Um, prime minister of England. Yes, not Canada. So basically Margaret Thatcher, right? Is that the right one of right. the era? That's right, yeah. Yeah, so um, there was like countdown, three, two, boom, cliffhanger. You know, <laughs> how are, in the world are they going to catch them in time? And that's where we left off. Um, you know, our comic here, you know, so we've got Carrie Bates doing the script. Uh, last week it was Jerry Conway and Carrie Bates. So we lost Conway, but kept Bates. I think that's kind of an important fact here that it's still Carrie Bates here. Um, art by Kupperberg and Dizinaga. Um, so we have a similar creative team. Um, but here we kind of jump to an odd panel. So January 14th, 1987, we got. Uh, Steelhawk in the woods, uh, basically like hunting the troubleshooters. Um, so it's a big disconnect from you know him waiting to blow up the prime minister. It takes us a little while to figure out what happened there. Yeah, so it was literally counting down. Like he got to about three, and uh-huh. <laughs> which is the same amount of seconds he gives the like cartoonish classic rail yard hobo who's actually in the shack so we, so we don't really stepped out of 1937 uh <laughs> great depression films got the can of beans and the finger gloves <laughs> all right dagnabbit uh <laughs> you say dagnabbit okay maybe not but you definitely yeah <laughs> so so the, as the reader we don't know what the heck's going on but steelhawk breaks into a cabin expecting to find the troubleshooters finds a hobo who said they were, they told him he could crash there. Like, did they just find a random hobo? Like, was he nearby? So many questions. Um, but Steelhawk, Steelhawk kills him with a crossbow. Okay. <laughs> so one hobo down. Yeah. Um, he has like a rifle on the first page and then it's a crossbow when he kicks the door in. He really switches things up a lot. I don't know. Yeah, I feel like there's a crossbow on his back, but it's just hard to see because he's all colored in blue. Oh yeah, you're right. So the artist did his job, I think. I mean, it's a, it's a the... nighttime scene, so yeah, it's understandable. But yeah. it's like muted colors. Right. So so as the arrow flies toward our rail riding buddy, um, hey, maybe he missed. We don't know. That guy could come back <laughs> next issue. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Uh, second page where I take you down Steelhawk now it's payback time <laughs> dagnap it he goes riding the rails with Artie the cab driver from Justice and they form like a sidekick squad or something I don't know there was the Legion of Substitute Heroes in Legion of Superheroes so don't don't ever count, count the, the B team out <laughs> it just makes me think of like the uh like the loser bar of sidekicks from the Tick cartoon. <laughs> <Okay>. But anyway, <laughs> so yeah, so we cut to Jenny Swenson screaming, no, which is pretty obviously a dream sequence, you know, just by how weird it is and kind of smoky background and stuff. Um, and basically this really bizarre dream sequence where <laughs> characters uh, from... You know, side characters like the DA are kind of menacing her, and she's in the electric chair. 
not because she killed Kratzy, but because she put the troubleshooters at risk. Okay. Um, but then they kind of, the troubleshooters themselves show up and swoop in to save her. And then the prime minister of England comes in too and drops that the troubleshooters saved the prime minister. So, okay. We just learned what happened at the end of the previous comic in a weird dream. But uh, I, I mean, I, I, guess that's, I guess that's one way of telling us. So they, they go over this again in, in a minute, but let me just throw an idea out there. So we, we, the new universe element that people always remember is the real time element. Yeah. And I'm thinking that like, because not everyone in, in the office got kind of got on the, on the same page with this. So like DP seven has a lot going on over a short amount of time. And they say like, Oh, we'll just get back on track by the end of the year. But it seems like Carrie Bates maybe was thinking every month, you, you know, you need to push the time ahead a month. And oh. so, you know, Oh, well, the next issue comes out, I guess we'll just flash back or, you know, talk about what happened at the end of the agency. <laughs> just a thought. I don't know. Yeah. That, that would make for one weird storytelling mechanic, right? Like at the end of every, like you tell a story that takes a span of a day and then the pick every time you pick up the next comic, like a month has gone by. I, you know, I feel like he wasn't alone in that. Like maybe more issues would, you know, people kind of psyched themselves into an idea like that. Um, I don't know. I mean, I've seen people be, you know, get told something and then like freak out later. Like they, they totally over analyzed whatever it was they had heard was their instructions. You know what I mean? Oh yeah. Yeah. And I think that the, the chaos surrounding the new universe launch too, then like it, if if someone new has come on to write two issues, you know the chances of them getting like a nice calm sit down explaining the rules of the new universe, <laughs> as opposed to like a quick memo or something is <laughs> right, right, yeah, you you, yeah, seat of their pants everywhere they were going here. Yeah. Anyway, I like the art. Art is uh, fun. This the dream sequence has several like very funny images, like the top of page five. Yeah. Really like carrying her like a, you know, like a celebration kind of, but she's yeah. in like a nightgown. Okay. <laughs> Yay. Yeah. Yeah. And um, so, yeah, she's, she kind of half wakes up out of it and is basically worried about having put them in danger, um, which is kind of interesting because really throughout most of the comic, she's been telling them, no, stay out of trouble. Uh, they've basically just never listened to her and always come to help and occasionally to the rescue and such. But, you know, basically, you know, she's never encouraged them to, uh, you know, go out on their own and cause trouble or, or be heroic. She's always encouraged them to kind of stay back and play it safe. But, you know. Yeah, I'd say she's reasonably responsible. I mean, it's more, it's like her example is bad you know yeah hey let's go have some adventures with jenny instead of hanging out and working in the lab or whatever so yeah okay. <laughs> of course on the, on the next page on six 
right after she's woken up, they show up in her bedroom, <laughs> which is a little yeah, weird. that's <laughs> like they're all standing there staring at her in bed <laughs> after she was yeah. just screaming, and they probably heard that. Hope you don't mind. We let ourselves in. What? <laughs> Sorry about dropping by in the middle of the night. There's no way she let Giotti have a key to her apartment. <laughs> yeah, so so they basically sit her down and say they're they're going to retire their they call them their max armors or their max suits, but basically all the little uh, fun pieces of technology like the strong arms that they made themselves um, and give their different reasons why. Um, Jenny basically says nothing to them, really. Um, you know, they just kind of let it all out. You know, we're going to quit it. Uh, Giotti stays back to kind of like, you know, say his piece to her directly. Um, he's worried that she's going to be disappointed in him. But but really, she's kind of just happy. I mean, this is what she wanted. Uh, in her head, she's thinking, thank God, it's finally, finally over. <laughs> so I guess that's the end of Spitfire and the Troubleshooters. Oh, <laughs> I was worried it was going to be a violent breakup. Um, yeah. Uh, and then the comic ends and then everybody's happy and then they all have their own separate adventures while the students worry about their GPAs. <laughs> or on the bottom panel, there's a uh, cartoonish looking guy with a sinister hat, <laughs> uh, binoculars and a trench coat spying on them. <laughs> dun, dun, dun. So we don't know who that is, but I mean, it's got to be Steelhawk, right? Um, actually, maybe not. They're because at the very end, the oh last right, page, yeah, okay. okay. Well, we won't give that away yet, but I think you're right. Yeah. Cool. Um, so after um, Spider-Man is still working to free Captain Crunch from the Sogmaster. Uh, oh, sorry, that's an ad. Um, we've got uh, a recap of what actually happened in the end of the previous comic. So, all right. We don't have to find Yay. out solely from Dream Thatcher. <laughs> yeah, it's, I mean, it's a visual medium. I want to see the payoff, not just, oh, let me tell you about what happened. It's, but we kind of get it in montage form. So it's actually kind of disappointing. But um, so uh, Steelhawk is reporting back to the, um, oh, shoot, what's their name? The club? The club. It's not very menacing sounding. But it's reporting back to them. And so basically, um, uh, Tim rushed in with fast ball, uh, grabbed the switch. So, so the switch to turn on the Christmas lights at the holiday celebration was the rigged thing, but somehow he knew that. Um, ran in, grabbed it, threw it up into the sky for that classic explode into safety, uh, and then zoomed away soon after. And uh, so Steelhawks reporting this to the club. Um, and they're not too happy because basically didn't actually assassinate the prime minister and seems to have don't not like he's going to make a second attempt either. He doesn't seem to care. Um, By the way, um, this bomb, like he, he's saying it's the, the trigger or I thought it was the trigger and the bomb was like in the tree or underneath them or something, but it's both the trigger and the bomb all in one. I, yeah, I don't believe it matches up well with what was in the previous issue. Mm -hmm. yeah. um, and, you know, 
I think we're right there. It was like an electrified trigger, maybe. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, it's a little weird. Um, also, the editor in the book gets it wrong and refers back to issue four, which a lot of times we should be referring back to issue six. But oh man, so it goes. Uh, and then there's a funny scene where you know it's like you know he, oh yeah he, he rushed in too fast right so so mm -hmm. he could he wasn't able the cameras weren't able to pick up who uh, had saved the day you know for one was it, did he set up cameras whose cameras uh, then he does kind of like you know what's super cheesy now but I guess wasn't a totally played out trope in 1987 of the uh, computer enhance image kind of thing. <laughs> <laughs> so he got this blurry image and he's like hmm, however it occurred to me that the videotape might prove to be far more enlightening if it were subjected to state-of-the-art computer enhancement <laughs> oh so, wow man really so apparently yeah. steelhawk has got his own computer lab uh maybe it's another room in the sanctuary over in san francisco i don't know we didn't uh, see that in the uh what do you call it a, like a crackhead uh <laughs> yeah i mean he lives in like a a, you know, a crappy barn with a ton of you know traps and guns all over the place and like bombs and stuff so um yeah it's a little bit of a stretch um but then we get a panel that i wish they had in the first issue you know where he's basically got headshots and names for all the troubleshooters oh yeah come on is... <laughs> where was this uh took us Death. forever to get to this point <laughs> and yet <laughs> well anyway so enhance works and so he's figured out the names of all the troubleshooters yeah so steelhawk is better than us i guess um but he was kind enough to share um and so, uh, the, the club guys he actually a little bit skeptical but, but yeah he's he's figured out that the troubleshooters uh are have been causing problems for the club and also that they're connected to Jenny Swenson as their leader. And, you know, the club was after Jenny because they wanted her max armor in the early issues. So now they're on to them, I guess. You know, some of this is like, I, I kind of thought they were more well-known to be hanging out with Jenny Swenson, like, or, but yeah, in some of the things like she'd be appear in court and they'd be like, hanging out in the back and be like, oh, hope no one spots us here and stuff like that. Yeah, and, and certainly they didn't get involved in the, you know, the criminal case other than as witnesses. And then I guess as troubleshooters, I don't know, some of those like hacker groups were relatively secret, you know, uh, clandestine. So, okay. Yeah. But yeah, not, like most of the new universe, no one wears masks or disguises. So yeah, the speedsters are just kind of depending on their speed to keep yeah. them anonymous. Yeah. Same with Blur, I guess. Only, only Ken Connell is the one that's thinking hard about these things and, <laughs> and being extra careful. Sort of extra careful. And he already scolded them to be more careful. So I guess it didn't work. They, they didn't learn their lesson from Ken. Oh, well. Um, so, hey, we get one panel of Jenny Swenson teaching. It's just random equations on the board. Too. Yeah, uh, just some gibberish. Um, 
But yeah, you know, there's two students who just happen to look almost exactly like troubleshooters uh, who are happy to see her. Um, and, but yeah, I, that's Teresa and uh, I don't know, Eric. And then she's like, oh, thank you, Todd, Marsha. <laughs> Maybe that's their secret aliases. I don't know. <laughs> By the way, I, I don't want to harp, but uh, Jenny's uh, outfit doesn't really seem, you know, say like young, cool professor to me. It's a little more Little House on the Prairie. <laughs> okay. Right. Uh, so I like, what do the college teachers look like? I don't know. <laughs> we all wear jeans. Is that that's at your college too? <laughs> tweed college jacket with leather patches. There you go. Or was that leather jacket with tweed patches? Yeah. Homer, you just ruined two jackets. <laughs> Anyway, well, her, her prof- professorial wardrobe may not matter for much longer. Uh, as she walks out, uh, a new student, Susan, uh, who doesn't look like one of the troubleshooters, uh, stops her because, you know, when the dean wants to find you, he sends random college students. Um, <laughs> but yeah, so the dean needs to see you in my needs to see you in his office right away so we get dean norris who i forgot to go back and check if that's the same guy from the beginning i did check that was chairman dibble or dribble okay so yeah this is we haven't seen the dean before um you would think a chairman would outrank him but um yeah yeah, deans are never good yeah they're always crusty and in in pop culture in real life if you're a dean, sorry, man, nobody likes you. Ouch. I, just... I, I steer clear. I'm, I get a little more distance than I think you do. So. Yeah, that's good. <laughs> but anyway, yeah, so basically he says, you know, we're, you will not be receiving tenure at this university. Um, we're not sure whether she was up for tenure that year or they're just being jerks. Um, but yeah, regardless of her legal status, because uh, she got away, uh, you know, didn't get prosecuted for anything. He says the board decided and then the board decided you're done for. So uh, I guess she gets to finish out the year, but that's it. So mm. troubleshooters disbanded, college career no longer at MIT. Things be changing. Uh-oh. Well. Uh-oh. Yeah. Damn it, issue seven. Why? I can't take much more of this. <laughs> we barely even got six issues of the team working together. Jenny was in prison for half of it. It's like, I mean, I think I counted up on the the recap show. Like, she fought the tank. Uh, maybe the first issue, she fought a an older Max armor. Yep. They broke into the thing to steal data. Yep. And then it got destroyed by this guy. Yeah, in our McFarlane issue, we had the Steelhawk uh, battle, which was cool. And then, yeah, we really haven't done... Jenny hasn't really been able to do much since then, except feel sad and worry. Yeah, her, you know, her appearance in uh, Starbrand was actually the most, like... It was, like, two pages of, like, positive superhero, you know, activity, and then... yeah. Know, I guess we'll just have to remember fondly that time where she rescued the yokels who were rolling down the hill on their brakeless truck. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> well, now I, well, 
I forgot the yokels. Okay, now I'm kind of turned around. That was a key moment in Star in uh, Spitfire history. So first there was the white event, which did nothing for Jenny Swenson, but then there were the yokels on the hill. Okay. Something, something. Father died. Sensei. I don't know. <laughs> but the yokels. But maybe they'll show up in the final issue and like save her. <laughs> That'd be cool. No one would expect that. Damn it. <laughs> he thought well, we was good for nothing, yokels, but we fixed our brakes and here we're here to rescue you. <laughs> but I digress. It's <laughs> <laughs> the best stuff I've heard all day. <laughs> oh, we need to be writing comics. Okay. So before we get to the action, um, Tim Ferriss calls his legs fast back. Eh? Oh, you're right. It's fast ball. Yeah. <laughs> What's fast back anyway? Fast ball at least makes a little bit of sense. But anyway, that's his mechanical legs that help him run fast. So uh, Tim Ferriss and Eric Chin are walking somewhere across campus out. It's kind of like a snowy scene. Of course, we're in uh, January at this point. Um, and they kind of separate. And Eric's walking through the snow. And in the background, we get there's like a, a front loader kind of tractor pushing some snow around. And in the in the background, though, you can see it looks like someone's got the driver with like a was it a garrot? That, that yeah, wire. Right. Yeah, that wire around his neck. So, uh, oh, it's, I mean, the, the size and color of it make it a little hard to make out, but I think you're right on that one. Yeah. So, <clears throat> as, as Tim's kind of walking and thinking and lugging around his big suitcase filled with a uh, fast ball, I refuse to call it fast back. Um, then basically the plow starts coming up behind him like not super fast just kind of menacing and slow and then when he realizes it he just kind of jumps out of the way thinking thinking that um you know it's just somebody who wasn't paying attention it's just like hey dirtbag we pay they pay you to sn- plow snow not sophomores i like that line <laughs> oh i need to yell at at least one time this winter <laughs> i'll try uh and Steelhawks is then clearly the one driving and basically just keeps going for him. You know, so he's, he's Tim's trying to run, doesn't quite, can't quite get it. And so Steelhawk starts taunting him and saying, oh, all this ice and snow, you got no traction. You'll never get away from me unless you put on your legs. <laughs> <laughs> so he's playing around with him and obviously wants him to put on his gear, which is kind of odd. Um, but, you know, Steelhawk be Steelhawk, I guess. Um, so, yeah, got his own way of looking at the world. <laughs> yeah. So maybe a little less of the, like, cold, efficient psychopath killer. Uh, here he's just kind of goofing around uh, in a very deadly fashion. Um, but, it, but it turns. So, you know, Tim gets his gear on, basically zips away super fast. Um Steelhawk then pulls out a rocket launcher. <laughs> Most impressive demonstration, Mr. Ferris. A scant three seconds after activating the max unit on your legs, you're already out of the field. A pity you weren't also out of range. Badoom. Ooh. 
Wow, that's that's like every time I played Grand Theft Auto Vice City, <laughs> rocket launcher. Uh, you know, sure. Okay, I'm gonna get this uh, mission finished if I have to rocket launch every gun. In. Anyway, <laughs> but yeah. the experience there is you're about eighty percent complete with the mission, and something hits you, and boom, like oh, I gotta <laughs> start it over. <laughs> um, but yeah, Tim gets hit, so um, it's unclear what's what's exactly happened to him yet but nothing good here um you know we cut away to a surprise appearance from bernie uh jenny's ex-boyfriend and not terribly good criminal lawyer um yeah yeah for a second a a brief second uh and then we go to giotti and um well i mean it's here it is jenny this is a surprise Hi, Bernie. Sorry about dropping in out of the blue. Like, I need, I mean, I I could really use a friend. <laughs> and she's got his, his face, like, uh, reflected in her eyes. And the amazing thing is, I really doubt this is like a Ken Connell kind of, like, I could really use a friend uh, stop off. But... Um, it's I don't know. Kind of what it looks like, but yeah, that that would make less sense. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, it's not Jenny's not the uh, whatever. <laughs> uh, but anyway, yeah, certainly seems suggestive. And so, all right. So, so one troubleshooter down. Um, we cut to uh, Teresa and Giotti uh, talking. You know, they're they're wondering what Andy is up to. Um, and apparently he, they have a hangout spot in the woods and they're figuring he's out, out there practicing his, his laser. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Okay. So sure. Um, but, uh, Steelhawk's been listening in too. So, so he's, he's going to follow them for a showdown for, uh, apparently two more troubleshooters. Well, three, I guess three more troubleshooters are going to be in the trouble. Um, all right, so we get a little more conversation um, between Jenny and Bernie. Uh, I think Bernie's pretty reasonable, kind of, you know, well, you know, genius MIT professor. You know, you could probably get a job almost anywhere you want, maybe even another Ivy League kind of thing, right? Um, which is pretty reasonable. Um, as they're talking, the ambulance whizzes by. Um, so, again, a little confusing, you know explosion on campus student hurt um but then like nobody knows about it right like there's there's not tons of police cars she's over at like near bernie's place which might be far yeah um, okay far enough off campus but yeah i thought that that was the strange thing about the snowfield uh face off couple pages ago was that's kind of yeah like in the middle of the quad or something i don't know how like mit is laid out but it it can't be like a huge like um, place it's just part of campus but anyway yeah Um, but yeah you'd think that would be like a lot of excitement um crazy people firing bazookas and stuff it's a few blocks away at at most right Maybe there's a big sound barrier. I don't know. Um, but we get a clip of uh, poor Tim in the ambulance and uh, whomever is in there riding with them. You know, is that Eric in there as well? It's hard to tell. Um, 
But they said, Eric was with him just before the attack, so that would make sense, right? Yeah, maybe if he was the one who kind of came rushing to and found him. But um, basically, the, the guy in the ambulance who is maybe an EMT uh, saying that he's going to lose his legs if, he's, if, if he survives. So, yikes. Yeah. It's getting a little violent. Um, but he's not dead yet, right? No, looks alive. <laughs> yeah. No sense putting an oxygen mask on a dead dead troubleshooter. <laughs> um, but yeah, so then we cut back to deep in a secluded section of a forest north of the MIT campus. Again, can't really confirm whether that makes any sense or not. But uh, yeah, no, <laughs> no, yeah, we're we're our our knowledge of Boston um, and the surroundings are pretty limited, at least yeah. certainly from my angle. Um, so yeah so Giotti and Teresa kind of caught up to Andy and you know kind of yelling into the woods you know a tree almost falls on them uh, which is apparently because Andy uh, who's been pretty quiet through most of the series is kind of like taking a back seat and seemed like the kind of you know reasonable one like he just was not going to be jumping out and going into crazy adventures um, but apparently he really loves his a beam splitter uh, laser and it doesn't really want to give it up anymore and he also really likes wrecking trees with it apparently <laughs> yeah that's, but he's I having mean, second thoughts about giving up the his right. next piece yep, yep. yeah um but that doesn't last long because as they're talking about it um they come under fire for a machine gun uh so steelhawk's back you know, looking like a crazed hobo, basically. Uh, but it kind of looks like he's playing with them, too. So you know, he's shooting at them. They kind of run back towards the Jeep that uh, Giotti and them had driven in on. You know, they grab their, he grabs the strong arms. Uh, funny, you know, Teresa grabs um, a think tank, right? Her brain thing. But then she's like, quickly, like, oh, wait a minute. This is kind of pointless. <laughs> There's no electrical systems to plug into way out here. Think tank is absolutely useless. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, maybe she could find Steelhawk's search history. I don't know. <laughs> that would be kind of funny. Well, wait, but there was no search history yet because this is 1987. <laughs> Digs up some comments he made on a BBS somewhere and is trying to get him canceled. I don't know. <laughs> nice. Uh so yeah, so you know they've got their gear on, uh, but basically running for their lives. You know, Steelhawk fires his bazooka again, and you know takes out their truck. Um, you know, they're driving in what looks like an open top Jeep in the middle of winter too, which is perhaps a little stupid, um, but whatever. <laughs> uh, yeah, they're running for their lives. Andy starts shooting back with his beam splitter. You know, maybe a little overconfident. A la strong arms, um, but um, Steelhawk knows how to dodge lasers. Um, he's pretty much unstoppable in this issue, uh, and maybe maybe a little unrealistically, but so it goes. Um, they get a little bit of a shot at him when uh, Giotti like rips out a stump from the ground with strong arms, kind of blocks the beam and distracts him enough for Andy to get a shot, and you know takes out uh, Steelhawk's weapon. Um, 
And it's looking like the troubleshooters are going to be uh, triumphant here. You know, so Steelhawks down a little bit. Uh, Andy and Giotti kind of team up to knock down a tree, like basically look like, like they're going to crush him with a giant tree uh, and maybe almost do. And you get a second of triumph. Way to go. We never saw it coming. You creamed him, but good. Wait, let's make sure. So yeah, a lot of action, have, just pages of action here. You should have listened to your friends, Mr. Meadows. <laughs> my reflexes, you see, they are far faster than most of my opponents believe possible. Mm. Still no no clue or mention or even any acknowledgement in the in the comic of whether or not Steel Hawk might have some sort of paranormal ability. Yeah, I mean it would not? have been kind of nice, honestly, if, if they someone had made that connection. Yeah, if he was keeping like, a secret. I, I don't see Mark Hazard Merck doing this kind of crazy stuff. So if you're like, well, here's the reason he's this is he has, you know, some sort of minor paranormality. That's that's fine. That's all you need to sort of throw out there. Yeah. Oh well. <laughs> but yeah, so he to he gets a drop on Andy who's celebrating. Uh, kind of grabs him around the back of the neck. Um, he's helpless, and Giotti is kind of pleading with him, like, listen to me, mister, you seem to know about us and our equipment, but that's old news. All of us, including Meadows, we want to forget the Max hardware, forget that we were ever troubleshooters. All we want to do is get out of here and go back to school. Maybe assemble a tractor in that crusty old Dean's office to show him something, but... <laughs> <laughs> We're going to make the scoreboard light up and say, yay, troubleshooters at the next MIT Harvard game. Come on, man. Right. Set off a bra bomb or something. <laughs> no, <laughs> we don't get to see the troubleshooters live their happy lives again, though. One of them's rushed off to a hospital, blasted into a van, and Steelhawk's not having it. So I do believe that outburst was sincere, but the pity is all you see. But the pity is, all of you sealed your fates some time ago, and retirement isn't quite what my employers had in mind. They're thinking of a solution along far more permanent lines. And so basically he's got uh, Andy's laser pinned behind his back and uses it to shoot through his chest. <laughs> Yikes. Yikes. So, again, a little strange, but, you know... I guess pretty clearly RIP one troubleshooter, right? So um, Giotti's calling him a murderer. I'm not sure how you survive a laser blast through the center of your chest. Um, but uh, yeah, one one troubleshooter down. I guess we were both wrong on that one. Yeah. Uh, uh, okay. Anyway. Andy meant so much more to me than Eric. <laughs> this... <laughs> Wait, which one's um, Eric? <laughs> I don't know. Uh, the one who's good at the... breaking into windows? This is like how I pick the pierogies at the pierogi race at the baseball game. It's like <laughs> the one with glasses. That's who I relate to. Okay. Because sure. you can remember that one. Yeah. Uh, but anyway, so, you know. Steelhawk's plan to eliminate troubleshooters is a little interesting because he also then apparently just kind of runs away. Um, 
So he flees the scene, kind of leaving them sad with their troubleshooter. You know, we cut back to Jenny, who's, excuse me, finishing her conversation with Bernie, the ex-boyfriend. Um, you know, again, just kind of looking and in her monologuing uh, sadness. Um, and then she gets pulled into the classic 1980s kidnapper van. So, okay. What? <laughs> just zoom in, two panels. Next, down and dirty. She's ours. Over. And end of comic. What? Page. <laughs> what? <laughs> yeah, this is... Uh, yeah. So, yeah, Bernie and Jenny's conversation, because we were worried there was going to be something romantic. You sure you don't want me to walk you home, Jen? I'm sure, but thanks for listening, Bernie. You give me a lot to think about. I'll call you. <laughs> Ouch. She just has to say, like, you know, I gotta go meet my boyfriend somewhere or something to officially crush his, his hopes and dreams. <laughs> Bernie, I can talk to you. You're like a friend. Uh, <laughs> oh. Ouch. Yeah. Yeah, the... Um, let me also point out that um gee so steelhawk uh, like runs off you'll i'll be back kind of and um it's giotti yelling after him when i see you slime ball you're a dead man you got it dead man so giotti is very very angry about this and wants to take revenge not angry enough to chase him but angry he's not fastball or fastback he's just you know <laughs> Runner. doesn't have unexpectedly good reflexes no no i don't know did you sort of twist your arm around and see if you could like line up a, your like lower arm with your back to like blow out your front like that <laughs> well if someone was doing it to me rather than me trying to not injure my shoulder um yeah i, I think that works yeah okay yeah, it's uh, that was not the a piece of this comic that made me think, huh? <laughs> there was plenty of that, but that was not one of them. It's a um, yeah, I don't know. So, like, I complained maybe last issue about how many pages Jenny was on, and this time it was like they split it up so she was in you know more pages, just fewer panels on those pages. Yeah, I mean, she basically does nothing. She talks with Bernie. Okay. If if she was not in the comic at all, it still could have tell the same story. Right. Other than the part where she uh, lost her tenure and is going to have to leave MIT. That was pretty much it. Yeah. I guess you'd want to hear that and like see that on panel, not just be like, come back next month. Oh, also they told me last month that I'm not going to get, I was denied tenure. Oh, okay yeah i'm not sure that the dream sequence makes any sense other than like maybe the artist wanted to draw her in a nightgown i don't know we all wanted them to draw her in a nightgown what is wrong with these people why don't you give us what we want <laughs> uh, I, I mean okay you we, we we were looking at an article about the new universe and they had a few um notes and memos i guess from back then and remember like you know female protagonist or something was was like 
something they wanted, something they were striving for. They wanted to make sure there was a female-led comic book in the new universe. Like back then, you really had to like, I guess, you know, make that explicit. You know, they weren't going to just do it randomly. But um, so yeah, I mean, it's been seven issues now, and it's been kind of uh, disappointing, honestly. Yeah, and I feel like you know, with the with the creator swaps here, like at some, it seems like at some point someone's like you know okay well this idea is a little crazy so they're thinking you know a bunch of college students you know fighting against terrorists and governments and you know army contractors and stuff like that like they would like that would that's so dangerous like that there has to be some kind of consequences right so and i kind of see that angle uh as like all right well, realistically you know these guys they don't know anything about you know keeping themselves alive right they would get killed um so i, I think someone probably jumped that idea uh which mm. i think kind of makes sense i just don't really like it right because we haven't gotten to explore anything kind of fun and i think there's better ways to do it than just like slaughtering a bunch of them and ending their part in the story presumably right i mean if this Basically. is you know they're they're getting off stage and i'm pretty sure they are um yeah i mean it feels like a wasted opportunity for the troubleshooters and a wasted opportunity for spitfire both i mean it's um it, like, like i was saying in the, the uh, recap issue or episode the um they're like the closest thing we have to scientists in the new universe they could be investigating the white event or paranormality we're doing all kinds of, you know, uh, new directions. I don't know. Man. Yeah. Yeah. There's, um, there's a lot of uh, interesting kind of potential there. Even, you know, they could have just as easily, you know, of course, you know, followed a similar arc and given up their max armor pieces in order to, you know, fix and reform the Spitfire armor. Right. Um, right. I mean, um, and we then, have to make this sacrifice for whatever jenny's great good or something yeah put together this thing back together and, and they could be kind of the repair crew and you know right think tank can be you know hacking in those phone lines and those dial-up modems and you know helping <laughs> solve future problems <laughs> and you know maybe they run into the clinic or something right like all sorts of cool stuff yeah um, i mean which could leave like you know and when worst comes to worst you know you pull out your voltron like the, the the max armor and you know you use that to get out of trouble or you know right, right. do something impressive i mean I'll, I'll say again they're they're at the time having a female protagonist was risky i think because you know no one wants to see a girl getting beat up you know yeah and you actually, this was actually a great way to get around that because she's in the armor. So no one's like, you know, oh, that's uh, distasteful. They're, you know, it's just too, you know, a robot, you know, uh, beating something or, or fighting with something. And so, you know, you have a, a, a good visual, um, some interesting um, 
science fictional elements, but you know, not not crazy out there. And then you've kind of taken the edge off of whatever the downside to having a female protagonist was. Like they they will only pair you with a female antagonist or something. You know what I mean? Yeah, uh, right. And well, um, <laughs> it's a frustrating issue in many, many respects. Um, and I guess we'll, we'll take out our frustrations on the title as a whole at this point. <laughs> uh, we'll see. It sounds like we got at least one more issue of this kind of stuff, right? So, or some kind of follow up to this, or, you know. Yeah, another fight and some bitter recriminations. I don't yeah. know. Am I looking forward to that? No. I mean, short of Jenny grabbing all the parts and building, you know, her own like fast and strong <laughs> thinking laser suit uh, and <laughs> whipping up on Steelhawk, I'm, I'm prepared to be disappointed. If they do that next issue, I'll be happy. I uh, I'm still surprised they they never grabbed the jetpack because flight is a pretty useful quality, you know what I mean? So right, <laughs> that was one of the things that Max could do, and no one was like, "Hey, let me get that part for me. I'd like that part." Okay. I guess without the armor, crashing would be a pretty scary thing. Then that's actually a good point. My fear of heights would keep me <laughs> flying pretty low to the ground, actually. But, uh, oh well I still have fond memories of the introduction of strong arms yeah it's we'll always have strong arms in our hearts but uh, <laughs> uh, oh, let's see should we grade this uh, brutality um yeah let's see Do you first or me first I, uh, you can decide oh okay um, I can go first if you want. Yeah, let me hear your rationale first. <laughs> I'm thinking C plus. So, I mean, I don't mind the art. Uh, it moves the story along. Um, it's okay. I, I don't like the direction. I don't like the storytelling. Um, but you know, for what it's trying to do, like I'm. Uh, I was entertained reading it, right? So, you know, to separate myself a little bit from the disappointment of like what it could be or, you know, kind of what, what I wish it would have happened, um, other than like the really weird nonsense decision of uh, revealing what happened to the, to the prime minister in a dream and then a flashback, um, which is just kind of dumb. Um, and I was really confused and was like, did I miss a comic? Did they, did they forget one out on the bullpen floor and didn't publish it until I got through it? But yeah, I'll give it a C plus, which is low for us. Yeah. Um, yeah, I was thinking between B minus and C plus and then, mm, like I say, I don't want to overdo like, blame them for not going in a direction I would prefer. I mean, you know, that's not necessary really, but um, the art is good. The storytelling is pretty weird though. Yeah, all that sort of back and forth. Um, 
I'll be nice with a B minus on this, but uh, <laughs> it's it's yeah between the di direction and the um, deficiencies in storytelling mainly are, are the issues there. As far as yeah, action and um, um, appearance and all that, it's it's reasonable. Um, just on the low end of reasonable. Yeah, and I get that the new universe has been dark. You know, really, like, I, in the beginning, I thought, like, Kickers would be kind of like the light storytelling kind of one, but, but it really isn't. You know, like, there, there's sort of gritty death stuff in just about every comic. Um, I just, yeah. I'm not sure I like it here, though. It's just, you know, I, I get Steelhawk, you know, he's menacing, he's a killer. You know, I think he's kind of funny in previous ones where he's, like, hosing himself off with his crutch and he's got crutches <laughs> and, like, a weird death camp filled with tracks with traps but uh you know I, I didn't really enjoy seeing the uh troubleshooters go down yeah i mean i enjoy steelhawk in a way but do i would i put that as like my only villain in this book i mean it feels limited you know they're or they're, or they're handicapping themselves with that uh so yeah hmm Frustrations build. Um, <laughs> Frustrations. Let's see. We were going to talk about what we were most looking forward to. Yeah. So, do you want me to go first on that one, or you want to go first? Uh, I'll, I'll, I'll go ahead. The um, thinking about it, and maybe it's because it's uh, the one I was least familiar with. I will say Cyforce. Because okay. they are heading off into you know a new setting, we don't know if it's permanent or temporary or they'll stay on the road. Um, so that to me like seems like you know wide open territory there. So I'm kind of looking forward to that. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Um, if I hadn't read any of this stuff before, I probably would be saying Starbrand, but but I have sort of background knowledge on both that and DP7. So like the rest of the titles are, are I'm going in pretty blind for, I'm, I'm, I would go Justice uh, for similar reasons. Um, yeah, Cyforce yeah. has kind of like had a major shift and they're leaving you know, the, the hallowed halls of the sanctuary and there are millions of rooms. <laughs> but uh you know, like that last issue of Justice really got me excited. You know, like I, I loved him, like bummed out on the couch and then finding his his purpose. And, you know, I, I guess he's just going to go kill some more drug dealers. And I like that about Justice. Vaporize some more drug dealers, man. I like I mean, some of these you can really see they have like a I don't know, biphasic quality like DP7. You can either like go into a new small town and have an adventure with the crazy people there, or you fight the clinic um, or you fight a new paranormal or something. Um, but, you know, there's like multiple modes you're in, whereas Spitfire has been like just one antagonist, kind of one mode through this whole thing. So um, Night Mask is kind of in one mode, but uh Justice, yeah, really has at least, you know, there's like the, the uh, killing drug dealers and then there's dealing with his own wor crazy world or wizards or whatever. 
So there's at least two aspects to there that, you know, not knowing which one's going to pop up next. But yeah. That's cool. Yeah. So I, I would pick justice. I'm also, but definitely still excited about Cyforce, uh, DP seven, right? Like that's and star brand. Uh, absolutely. Uh, a lot of the other ones, it's just kind of hard to know where they're going or what's coming next. Right. So I'm, I'm happy to read more kickers and I'm super curious as what the next issue will bring. It's kind of the same. Uh, Night Mask is a little more consistent, but, um, you know, we kind of never know what we're going to get, which, which is okay. Uh, but it's not like, you know, like, hmm, I'm waiting for the conclusion or expecting something major. It's kind of like you know, something interesting is bound to happen, but I have no clue what it is. Yeah, Night Mask is like a like an ep- very episodic TV show. You just sort of tune in and see what they what the mystery of the week is or something. Yeah, and Mark Hazard, I'm just hopeful that like they'll figure it out and something decent will come forward. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, keep hoping it's just some sort of beginners uh, rough spots with some of this, but. Uh, yeah okay but we'll always have that baseball issue yeah we will that'll always be my favorite um our favorite perhaps okay uh let's see uh next uh week that's it for this week um next week we'll be back to um night mask number seven Nightmask must enter a young delinquent's dreams and stop him before he destroys himself with Roy Thomas and Mike Hernandez. Okay. And Cyforce number seven. Cyforce leaves San Francisco. It's got Stephen very motivated to, to find out what happens next. Uh, apparently they're going for a sanctuary in Seattle, which t- turns out to be everything else but a sanctuary. Oh man, it's going to be... Re- it's going to look really big from the outside, but really have only <laughs> one small room on the inside. Uh, I'm hoping joke. it's like when they say it's sanctuary, it's like one of these transdimensional things where everything goes into the same building and none of it is really in San Francisco or Seattle. But again, maybe asking for too much there. Maybe. Uh, written by David Micheline, penciled by Bob Hall. Hmm. Are those new? I think so. Well, supposedly that's that's what we were told. So don't forget to uh, look us up at kickersinc.com, our website. And uh, if you have suggestions or questions or just want to uh, get something read on the, um, should we call this air? Sure. Why not? Um, yeah. You can email us at newuniversepodcast at gmail.com. So until next time, and we'll see you back at the spinner rack.